Hey everyone, welcome to the Zelda Informer Podcast, episode number 12, and we're just going to hop right into it. we got a lot of topics this week. Uh, the people on this podcast, besides myself, is our usual co-host, Alfred. Ew, or unusual. Thanks to him, we're probably more awake for this podcast now than we're <laughs> doing it during the day. He's got classes at night. Ah, this is more important Yay, classes. graduate school. <laughs> and then we also have uh, a returning guest, someone who used to be... Semi-regular on our old podcast, Mr. Colin Drum. I have 15 quarts of water right next to me. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. That's Speaking amazing. of wild, let's get into our first topic that has to do with Breath of the Wild. Uh, All right. Uh, so, A.G. Aonomo, who I always mispronounce that name, he kind of upset some fans this week. When does this he? past week. When he said that... He was worried that Breath of the Wild's nighttime would be too dark and too scary. Uh, his exact quotes. Let me let me bring up those quotes quick. Don't know why I don't have them open yet. I mean, it's a Zelda game, not Doom Three. He shouldn't be. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> doesn't I don't, have to be worried about too much. Control click to follow the link. All right. <laughs> Shows how much I listen to Microsoft Word. Uh, so here's exactly what he said, and this was in an interview in Edge magazine. He said, we didn't want to create something that was dark and scary. I've been up a tall mountain at night, seeing the stars. It was completely dark, but the starlight made it brighter. I wanted our nighttime environment to be something like that. And when it's dark, there are elements in the environments that glow, so the players can use those to find their way. Uh, So, this is a very interesting point, because I think a lot of people that are upset about this uh, about it being too dark and too scary because there's definitely been moments in Zelda that it's been really dark and really scary. Uh, just go to the bottom of the well in Ocarina of Time and you'll know what I'm what I'm talking about. Uh, or even nighttime in Hyrule in general, like when you come out to, to Castletown in Ocarina of Time and you get humped by some redeads. Uh, I go. think what he's talking about more so, though, is just the general feeling of nighttime in the game he doesn't want to be scary like when you're just out in the overworld it doesn't need to be scary because it's nighttime um so he wants it to, he wants players to be able to see what's going on in the environment and stuff like that i i don't think this necessarily means that there won't be scary moments in the game if that makes sense uh but i don't know the, obviously this is just me interpreting what he's what he's saying uh, it is true even when it's pitch black out at night there's usually a star and a moon or, you know, several stars in the moon, like, kind of providing some light. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Like, are, are you okay that he's trying to brighten up the nighttime a little bit? I mean, yeah. It's <laughs> it's an open-world game. It doesn't need to be, like, pitch black. Most open-world games that take place at night aren't absolutely pitch black for a reason. So, I mean, I'm not, it's fine. I'm not worried about it being scary. I don't think that was ever like a concern for me. Like, oh no, I'm I'm f- afraid of Zelda freaking me out. They, <laughs> um, you know, that they, not that they've had problems, but there can always be problems with shading, and especially in dark environments where you can't see what's going on because of the, sh- the poor shading or because it's too dark, the light doesn't work well. Um, I didn't actually know that this was a problem that people were freaking out that it was going to be too scary at night. Yeah, it, um. it seems weird because we, we've seen the night cycle already, at least in the demo area, and it, it didn't feel bad. It felt like a Zelda game. 
it looked like the night cycle in any other open world game. <laughs> yeah, it, it really wasn't that bad. So I, I don't even think it's the dark. I think it's the scary part that he said, like he didn't want to make things too scary. Um, I think it kind of gave off that vibe in the quote where people are like, oh, he's trying to make this not be a kiddie game or be too kiddie because, you know, you can't scare the kids. Um, and to me, that's not what I get out of this at all. I think, you know, Edge Magazine just basically asked him about the night cycle. And he just responded and said, look, we didn't want it to be, you know, pitch black. We didn't want, we wanted players to see what they're doing. The goal of nighttime is to be beautiful, not to be uh, foreboding, as it were. Um, and from what we've seen of the night cycle, it definitely looks, you know, pretty good. Uh, and, yeah, there's glowing things in the environment, but those things also glow during the day. So it's not, you know, it's not as if it feels out of place. Um so yeah, I, I I think this is like a non-starter. I don't I don't think people people that are upset about this have have you played a Zelda game? That, that's I'm sure they have. They've played Oceanhorn, <laughs> Monsters of Uncharted Seas, the greatest yeah. Zelda game of all time. Well, as I said, you know, if you go to nighttime in any you know you know Colin mentioned open world games, but even any Zelda game, it's not pitch black. You can see where you're going. It's not um, Doom Three. Don't it's worry. Not, it's not even scary. Like, <laughs> like Nighttime and Twilight Princess, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask. Uh, that's not scary. Uh, the things that are scary in those games are the situations you can find yourself in, like with the Redeads in the in you know Tyro Castle Town when it's all worn down, or you know at the bottom of the well. Like those are moments and areas that are scary, but they're not scary specifically because it's nighttime. Um, and I mean, so, I think that the theme of night instantly, like, it, it's recognizable as being more thematically evil mm-hmm. or thematically darker in the sense of more than just coloring. Yeah, and there's so, a lot of, like, fantasy things that are, like, you, you know, vampires that come on at night. Yeah. Um, all that kind of stuff. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's weird that he had to address it at all. Um but that's that's me underestimating. Yeah. Like, if you've never people. had a problem with nighttime in Hyrule before, I, I, this is pretty par for the course with what the series has always done. Um, so yeah, we're, I, I guess that's really all there is to say on that. If you're worried about nighttime in Hyrule and it not being dark or scary, I don't know what you were expecting. This isn't a horror game. Yeah. Um, so let's just move on to the the next topic we have here. Uh, this has to do with the Twilight Princess manga. Uh, there was a new one that was being made by I can't ever pronounce it. Uh, do you, either of you guys know how to pronounce the manga people? What's what's it? Uh... The H M or whatever the Hamba the Hamba I can't pronounce it. I've never uh, you, pronounce it. Let me all. let me go look at it. You you keep talking. Yeah. Okay. So the the people behind the Twilight Princess manga in Japan, which is still releasing, I think they've only released part one so far, and part two is coming out here soon. That's uh, heading to the west. Uh, it's actually going to be coming out in the Kimikawa? west. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. See, that's way better than what I could how I can pronounce it. You could have um, just said Viz Media. Oh, I. Well, yeah, but it's not Viz Media didn't make it. That's true, but it is licensed. And they're, it's they're, for they're, just, they're just translating it. So, yeah, as he brought up Viz Media, Viz Media is the one bringing it to the West. Uh, the first volume is going to be releasing in March 2017, uh, which is also the same time that supposedly the NX is coming out and possibly Breath of the Wild is a launch game. 
Uh, so that could be a very busy month for Zelda fans, especially if you like to collect all the official merchandise and manga and all that stuff. Uh, anyway, anyways, it's also releasing sooner than that, I think, in Germany for some reason. I think it's actually releasing, part one's releasing this year in Germany. Someone told me. I obviously don't know. This is just someone, a, a fan who emailed it in to let us know about it. Uh, obviously, we're going to get the future volumes of it. Uh, that's what the manga, like Zelda manga itself, especially the Viz Media translation, have done really, really well uh, for prior versions. So the question I have here for any of this is... There's going to be a manga in the future for Breath of the Wild. It's going to happen. Maybe. It, it, mm. It's going to happen. Zelda manga keeps being made. Um, I know that uh, the people who made this one specifically, this is the first manga they've made, I think, since 2008. I think. There's not one I mean, for Wind Waker, though. Is there? What? There's not a manga for Wind Waker. Uh, not from these people, no. Is there one period? Um, because like the, the the people who made this, they're not the only people that get licensed to make manga. No, I know. Yeah, um, these they, they just happen to make some of, the, I guess I want to say some of the more popular ones because as I grew up, the you know, the this the people that made this manga were always like the manga people. Um, so I don't know. Like, obviously the the timing of this release <clears throat> has a lot to do with Twilight Princess HD. Um, also came out this year, so it makes a lot of sense to release it now. Uh, there is a Wind Waker one. There is a Wind Waker one. Okay. Who's that one by? Uh, I'm looking at it right now, and it's by Oyster. Okay. There you go. Yeah, like I and said... It was, they, they... it was published by Futabasha. But okay. there is not there is not manga of all the Zelda games. No, there isn't. No. There is Link to the Past, Link's Awakening, Ocarina... Majora's uh, Oracle of Ages and Seasons, uh, Four Swords, and Minish Cap, and I guess yep. also Twilight Princess. So, yep. Yeah, so there's still a lot of games that haven't really gotten the manga treatment. And uh, I kind of look at it as, I love the manga. My problem I've had with it typically is that it seems to co always get released like years after the game already came out. Um, in this case, you know, Obviously, Twilight Princess came out in 2006, but there was an HD remastering, so there was a reason to, to release it now. Uh, you know, they're probably going to end up doing one for Skyward Sword and uh, Breath of the Wild. Maybe, maybe they won't do one for Skyward Sword. I have no idea. They, they might not do one for Skyward um, Sword. I can see them doing one for Skyward Sword more than Breath of the Wild, though. Well, like, every 3D Zelda game has had one but Skyward Sword so far. I think it depends on whether or not Breath of the Wild really becomes, like, the next best Zelda. Because what I'm seeing from these is that, you know, it's 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 Link to the Past and uh, Ocarina and Twilight Princess. Like, Wind Waker, these are, like, the big, you know, like, people hold these as some of the best Zelda games. Yeah, but then you so, got that Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons, and the Minish Cap. All games that sold, like, under 2 million copies. But those are also mm -hmm. more story-based games. Yeah. They are story-based, yeah. Yeah. And those um, aren't even big, uh, I guess, manga releases, because we haven't gotten them over here. Yeah, over no, here, we've yeah. only gotten, like, what, Link to the Past, I want to say? Yeah, I think I don't think it. we've gotten the Ocarina one over here. Yeah, well, there's a whole collection of them that you can buy right now. It's like 100 bucks. Yeah, I own it. Yeah. Isn't that in English? Mm-hmm. So it, it is come over here, then. Oh, no, I was talking about Link to the Past. Oh, the Link to the Past one, yeah. I don't I don't think that was I wasn't. Yeah, I don't know about Ocarina. 
Um, I'm pretty sure the Ocarina one has released over here. I think it's, I don't have a copy of any of the Zelda manga. Hey, if you guys would like to send me a copy, email me at podcast at zeldainformer.com. <laughs> send yes. me some Nintendo New York fun bucks and I'll go over and buy <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yes, yes. If you guys want to send me anything from Nintendo New York, that would be amazing because I'll Zelda Informer I, I, I totally won't spend it on a regular new 3DS and a, a Metroid, <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> what, Federation Force? Oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Metroid um, Black Ops? Yeah, sure. So, I, I'm kind of of mind that I think, like, when I grew up, you know, like, you always had, like, you know, movie adaptions of books or, uh, you know, manga editions that go along with video games and stuff. Like, to me, as a customer, I'm interested a lot when those manga come out around the time the game comes out, like, you know, within six months. Because it, it always, the mangas always do things that aren't in the games. Um, and obviously, we, we know it's not canon officially and all that stuff. But it's still really interesting to get more in-depth in the world. Like, speaking of the manga, um, from episode 9, I don't know if Alfred remembers, we were talking about... I'm going to open this up. Uh, we were talking about Link, the original Link from the Furry First Zelda game. Uh, about where you know he came from, because he wasn't from Hyrule. And apparently, what I was thinking about... Uh, Mike Westfall emailed this in... Uh, I don't know if you've found the answer to this yet, but uh, the other land that Link is from, uh, I was apparently thinking of Kalasha. And that's only mentioned in the Valiant comics. It is not mentioned in the game manuals. The game manuals just say he's from another land. Um, and the Valiant comics gave uh, that land a name. So Kalasha is not actually official. Um. So it, it made me realize how much I actually like the comics and I like the manga or the manga, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, and how much I wish, like, if Breath of the Wild's going to have one, like, dude, if it releases in March, like, let's have that come out in August. Um, because it kind of continues the hype building that the game already has. Like, I, I, I think if, like, the Twilight Princess manga came out this year but there wasn't Twilight Princess HD, I don't think as many people would care about it and care that it comes to the West. Well, a lot of these, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of looking at these, and a lot of these are usually, um, they're, they're written and released like a year or so after the actual game came out in Japan, so it makes sense for them to be translated years later. Because they it still be... then, it's, they're usually ongoing series. Well, then there's also the whole, if they know it's going to come west, they could do a worldwide release and translate it before they even Well, but here's it. the problem, is that these are, like, typically manga is a very niche thing, in general. Yeah. Like just the way it's written, the way it's done, it's you know it's read uh, from right to left. It's, the books are quote unquote backwards, so it's a very niche thing, um, as opposed to like comic books. Whereas you'd see like you know the Dark Horse Zelda Hyrule Historia, that was kind of a rare thing. Um, <clears throat> and if this was a Dark Horse uh, exclusive, like they were the ones making the comics, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, why didn't we get this? when Twilight Princess first came out, but knowing that this is a, you know, six, seven-year-old uh, manga, or maybe less, um, and that it came out in Japan the same time that Twilight Princess did, I'm not really shocked that we're getting it this late. I'm shocked that we're getting it at all, to be honest, um, because it's not necessarily that I don't see why people wouldn't want to read it, but it's like, okay, it's following the same story, and there's only a little bit of a difference, like Link maybe talks in this version, or there's there's more dialogue, 
and it's again, it's, of course, it's more story based, but it's not like Nintendo's like, oh man, these are going to help us sell more copies of Twilight Princess HD because we have, you know, this this new manga coming out. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, is Nate there? Nate? Hello? Uncle? <laughs> well, I have my in... mic muted. Oh! Oh. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, did Nate just... Uh, no, so there's going to be some talking on camera where the camera's going to have me talk and I have to cut <laughs> off that audio. That's going to be fun. Um, no, so what I was thinking is that it's not so much about them selling the manga as much as it is about, uh, like... I'm sorry, about the manga selling the games, as much as the game can sell more of the manga if it releases closer to when the game comes out. Because yeah. I know a lot of times, like, when I finish a game, the first thing I'm thinking about is, okay, why didn't this get answered? Why does this plot hole exist? And a lot of times the manga kind of cleans up um, those plot holes a little bit. And, again, it's obviously all unofficial. Like, they're officially licensed, but they're not canon. So whatever explanation they give to fill the plot hole can be totally retconned by a future game if, if Nintendo wants to do that. Uh, but still, um, I don't know. I, I, I love the manga. I wish I owned it. I wish I owned a lot more Zelda stuff. Like If you look at my bag, I got all this like Zelda stuff out. Um, and apparently, remember when I said in the staff room that I sold like all my Zelda games? I lied, apparently. This uh, Spirit Tracks up there the game is in the case, so I still have Spirit Tracks. Yes, I love Spirit Tracks. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm I'm happy we're getting the manga. I'm not surprised that we're getting it. Twilight Princess is very popular in the West. I mean, I'll get it. It's it's Twilight Princess, so yeah. I mean, it is, it is the most popular Zelda game to ever release in the West. Um, so yeah, when did Dark Siders come out? It's not a Zelda game, but I don't know. No, I know, but... um, Last generation. Are you guys getting Darksiders... uh, What is it called? Uh, War Master. War War Ultimate Edition or whatever the hell? War Mastered Edition. War Mastered Edition for Wii U. Because they had two spinoff comics. Because what you said about how they're answering plot holes. Mm -hmm. um, This is an example of kind of what I was talking about. Is where These are more Western games. And they had comics released pretty much right after the games came out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember the exact date that Darksiders sure. 2 came out, but Darksiders 2, um, what was the, gosh. The did, comic did it release game. on Wii U at the same time as everyone, as all the other ones? The second one did. Yeah, okay. I couldn't um, remember if Wii U was actually out in time for the second one. I don't know. It might, no, no, it wasn't. It was uh, a little Wii later. Wii U was a couple months later. Yeah. They got Wii like a, a, de- November. a definitive yeah. edition, but not like with all the DLC. Um, but they had, I don't remember when Darksiders 2 came out, but it was 2012, and then in December of 2012, Death Store, it was a tag-along comic book sure. that was kind of like a prequel, came out with it, and, you know, talked about some of the other horsemen, and they did up the first game, too. Um, and but that's something that you see more, like, I guess in the home country of the game, like the country of Oregon. Yeah. Because okay. it's like, okay, well, this is going to be... Maybe not a popular game. Darksiders wasn't like the hit smash hit it should have been. Um, but it was something like, okay, well, while we're releasing this game, we want to build up the lore for it, so we're going to release a comic either before or after it. 
um, keep the hype going for the game, keep the game sales up. It's like, oh, well, this is a cool story. I want to see how it plays out in the game. Um, mm. And so what? why Nintendo didn't do a global release for those, or sorry, not Nintendo, I guess Viz Media, uh, or whoever was doing it at the time, didn't do a global release. Is it really that different? Because Nintendo hasn't been really, hasn't been doing global releases until very recently. So, like, keep that and I minded. like that, by the way, Nintendo. Yeah, keep it up. It, it's great. I mean, we're also just getting a reprinting of the, uh, the Mario comics from Nintendo Power, like, yeah. 20 years after they happened. <laughs> and, well, and they just did the Zelda one, what, last year? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, In the Hyrule Astoria, yeah. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Manga heading forward. I'm happy we're getting Twilight Princess. Hopefully, there is a Skyward Sword one, because Skyward Sword had a lot of story in it. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a Breath of the Wild one. Um, we'll see. All I know is that Zelda <coughs> merchandise sells very, very well here in the West. Um, and usually, Manga is considered part of that. So, I'm, I'm hoping that sales of this stuff is showing Nintendo that they need to do more of it. Um, I still remember Hyrule Astoria. All those weeks and months, it was at the top of the bestseller list, and it was sold out like everywhere. Yeah, I, I still don't have a copy. I you mean, don't? I, it's easier to get now. It's only yeah. twenty bucks, but um, I don't. It's have It's at Nintendo bucks. New York. Hey, send me some <laughs> Nintendo New York fun bucks. <laughs> All right, moving on to our last topic for the first segment. Uh, so Nintendo did something a little interesting. Uh, we talked about some rumors before uh, dealing with the NX itself. <laughs> and what it and what it could be, oh um, based on Eurogamer's reporting, and then a whole bunch of sites like IGN, Kotaku. Uh, I think there was like a list of like twelve sites now that have all like quote unquote confirmed that these rumors are legit. Uh, so, but we got the first big uh, nod that this could be a thing. Uh, Nintendo has filed a patent for well, actually, they they already had filed it. it it's now it's like. It's on to the next stage past filing. Um, we're now it's public knowledge. So Nintendo has a patent out there now for a portable console that has detachable controllers. Uh, there's a whole lot of information uh, in regards to this. I'll throw up a few pictures here in the podcast about it because there's a couple diagrams. Uh, but the general gist of it is that uh, they are detachable controllers, but they're not like controllers you can use without it being attached to the device. They only work when they're attached. And uh, they're not electronic buttons, so there's no electronics between the attachment and the device itself. I believe it's all done through is it uh, an, an infrared camera setup. Ah. Um, so, like, basically there's a camera beaming into a little window. You can actually see it in the diagram. Like, there's this little window. Please beams... post these images. Now I'm really curious. Yeah. It beams into the window, and you can, like, it, it tells, like, when you press down the buttons, and that communicates into the system, like, you know, on what to do. It, and people are wondering if it's slower than electronic is or if it's faster. I, I have no idea because no one's ever really done this before. <laughs> um, it's a very, very highly unique concept. That's um, and I can see... You. I, I can see if this is what the NX is, why Nintendo did not want to unveil it at E3, because just like the just the technology to to do this is something no one's done before. Um, so if this works as well as it does, or as well as it might work, I could see where maybe they don't want to copy the whole you know you know the whole portable device with detachable controllers, but they could use the concept for this technology for other things. Um, but as as it says. Uh, 
the, the big question people have out of this is how how can this technology work with a thumbstick or with a joystick? Uh, no, you know, no one really knows because not, no one knows enough about this tech to really explain how it could possibly work. There's some theories out there on how it could work with the joystick, um, but basically, this is the first something that's actually literally connected to Nintendo that kind of shows that there is something to these rumors. Uh, this sort of device, at least, has been experimented with. If it, you know, whether or not that experimentation is what devs have in their hands right now or not uh this concept doesn't seem so crazy anymore well it uh, still sounds crazy it sounds crazy but, it sounds but like it sounds crazy. yeah more plausible like nintendo might actually be doing this i i still will need to see the uh the, the patent image mm -hmm. yeah yeah here um i'll link you to our post on zelda i think we have a link yeah we have a link to like neogaf that's got some more images and then there's you can go back and read the whole patent if you want the patents there's so much technical language in it i just kind of browse through it but there's the right. there's Thank the you. link to it yeah let me take a gander um, at this yes uh, and in the huh. patent it's only it's only showing like the buttons like how the buttons mm -hmm. could work and it's already been known like proven uh through a bunch of people talking about it at least from what i read that the button presses are like can be done with this tech like that's not something that is impossible to do uh everyone's still just worrying about how it's gonna work with joysticks maybe the joystick doesn't work that way who knows maybe they go maybe to a d-pad yeah it beats me um, or maybe it's one of the like uh, the thing that the 3ds has. That's kind of like a sure semi joystick. Yeah, oh, oh, the yeah, circle this, pad. This, yeah, yeah. This looks very similar to the circle pad and how it's working. It could. It, I mean, well, see the circle pad. Yeah, the circle pad. Are. See the circle pad still uses an electronic communication. Yeah. To the device. The, the, but it I does not. Them, it does not use this technology. But I could see them doing um, that with this technology. And the circle pad. I mean, the way I can it works, understand. I can understand kind of why because I'm I'm sure they don't want people they 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 wouldn't want people to have to like continue to charge these little things you clamp onto the side of the system. Well, sure. Um, so obviously it means that those the the controllers themselves are probably not gonna have batteries if this is real. Yeah. Um, if this is the direction they went with it, anyways, and um, that also means that it's not like where you detach the controllers to play multiplayer. Like, that's what Eurogamer stated. Uh, the only way that's possible is if there's a third device that are not showing here that you can detach the controllers and attach that to. That's essentially a battery. Um, and then it allows you to put, you know use that as, like, a wireless controller. It's a weird and I don't know how that's going to work. I, I I imagine that they're probably going to be selling some sort of, like... There's got to be a... Wii U Pro controller yeah, that connects to something. the thing wirelessly. Because um, uh, the idea is that this thing can also plug into your TV. Yeah, so my 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 kind of the the thing I'm wondering about this is I, I mean this is a really interesting, unique, very Nintendo thing to do. Like find a new technology that no one's really using in a this certain way, and, and they'd be very work. vague about it. Yeah. It, so my question is, let, let, let's for a moment, let's assume this is what the NX is. Okay, we, we know the NX is portable now. At least we know a version of the NX is a portable, and it's going to have detachable controllers. Uh. I'm looking at the patent now, and I'm I, and my mind's racing about how this is even possible. Uh, the first thing I come up with is, what the heck is the point? <laughs> I'm I'm sure there is there has there to be a point to a, this. A lovely explanation uh, behind, because behind because this. otherwise it's like what? Okay, so I have a tablet, and then I can attach controllers to it, and then I can disconnect the controllers. Is it a phone? Do I do I need to disconnect controllers to use as a phone? Is it you know like what? Why do I need the controllers to be the quality of life? I'm hoping. Device. I mean. <laughs> 
I, I I still stand by the rumor that the idea is that you you plug the controllers in for on the go nonsense, but as soon as you sure. plug the thing into the docking station for the TV, you just take the things off. Yeah, but why take them off? Why does it matter? Like, I think maybe it's just optional if you really want to. Maybe just for portability. I mean, may, maybe it's a whole. Um, maybe they're planning to ha- to to kind of bring over like, the Google Play Store. And people who want to play all those touch games don't need the controllers on. I don't know. At the same time, this is this is a patent, and this could always this is sure. for Nintendo that has always meant prototyped uh, different ideas and not final projects. Like there's cause sure. Let's all remember that like two years ago we got a patent for like a tiny oval shaped thing that yeah. had controls on the thing, and we're clearly not getting that now. So, well, we don't know if we're not getting that now. Yeah. Again, I mean, it's, it's very, all pens. It's very it's all likely pens. we're not getting it now at this yeah. point. I mean, that that, that was be... probably some sort of prototyped technology sure. that they're over or they've advanced. So, sure. my yeah, yeah. my concern is that Nintendo is going to have to try to pitch this amalgamation of a controller to like consumers in a very yeah, understandable I think way. I think it's okay. way. I think it's way more all right. simpler. All right. than, so let's than let's being made out to be. Let, let's look at this. Let's look at it like this. This, this is actually something I wanted to, wanted to get into here. Um, I'm going to pretend that we are... This is the NX reveal event. And I am, say, a popular uh, author or writer for the New York Times. And I'm at this event. I've been invited by Nintendo. We usually only go to E3. But, you know, I decided, hey, I know they're announcing some new hardware. And you guys are Miyamoto and Reggie fils Okay. And you guys are going to be presenting the NX and trying to sell people on the NX, <laughs> you know, in a short 30-minute segment. Yeah. All right. So let, let's start with let's start with Alfred. You're you're Mr. Miyamoto. You don't have to oh. put on the accent. Dang it, I wanted to be Reggie because then I nope. could say my body's ready like five I times. eat more pizza, so I'm Reggie. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, exactly. I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Alfred, so you're, you're Miyamoto. You well, you know what? Let's start with Reggie. Let's start with Colin because Reggie will okay. probably be the first person on stage to say something. Uh, Miyamoto will come on later probably to talk about some unique whatever. But you have to keep in mind that you have to be yeah. ridiculously how, how, how made Star Fox optimistic. So Reggie, you're coming on stage. You you get the the chance to unveil this system to the world. How are you going to do it in a way that's going to make people not be scared of what you're doing? Like be like, oh man, this sucks. I'm out of here. This is there is not going to be a Metroid game on this console. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, here we have the Nvidia Shield 2.0. Here, uh, <laughs> this time we added. Okay, remember those 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 controller adapters for your phone? Well, you can you just, just take lost it off. Me. All right, <laughs> you just lost me. You failed, Reggie. <laughs> You did not I, present this my body in wasn't a way. ready. <laughs> so then, the saving grace, Shigeru Miyamoto, is called to the stage after Reggie gets booed off because everyone's like, okay. "We haven't even seen this device yet." Something about Nvidia Shield. What the hell is a Nvidia Shield? Nobody owns that thing. Uh, <laughs> Miyamoto comes to the stage like, "No, no, no! You go away! You go away! I got this." Miyamoto, sell me on this NX. See, How is this going to be a device people want? That's not what they're going to start with. They're going to be yeah. like, okay, Whoa. so I've been working in the labs tirelessly <laughs> on games the for the NX. So we've got a new Mario game, and then I'm going to show a trailer for the Mario game. And then here's Breath of the Wild for the NX, and then show a trailer for Breath of the Wild. And then here's Pikmin 4, and then here's 
surprise, Metroid Prime 4, or Metroid something, and then here's Animal Crossing, and then here's a new IP, and then here's Smash Brothers Remastered. It's like, here you go, enjoy. And it's like, and then I'm gonna, like, by then you're already sold, because here's all these great games, so you're not gonna be like, oh man, no matter what this console is, there's no way it's gonna succeed, because I just announced, like, six or seven fantastic games made by yours truly. So... And then I'm going to come out and say, well, you know what's great about this system? Have you ever wanted to play, like, your favorite games on the go that are typically home console games, but at the same quality as a home console? Well, now you can, but you can also play them on the TV by just simply plugging in the controller. But, sir? Sir? Yes. What about my handheld games? Well, Those are sorry. my favorite games. Well, too bad. Then you need to leave, because... <laughs> 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 See, and this brings up an interesting point. Obviously, Nintendo has always banked on the content is king, content is king. So at some point, Reggie or Amiibo would all be like, yeah, content. That's, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, we unveiled the device. Here's some cool things it does. But you're not sold yet. We'll go, here's why you want to buy it. I feel and like I they're going to start I think with the, the content problem. First. Yeah, and see, I think I pro the problem I have with that content is they they could do that same thing for any device Nintendo makes. It doesn't make people buy it anymore. Their content no longer makes people buy their devices. So, like the, the, the this is something I hope Nintendo has learned from, especially from the Wii U. Also, I hope they hold it with the 3DS because the 3DS did have a lot of hype going into its release. It was universally praised, um, just from a tech standpoint. Is the NX itself kind of like the PlayStation 4? Needs... I mean, we still we still have no idea. Yeah, we don't know what it is. Like we we, st is. we still don't. No. Like, but it needs to be able to sell people, not just uh, the games it has, because it's going to have the Nintendo games. It's going to have all the great games because all the Nintendo consoles get a bunch of great Nintendo games. Like that's not that that's why your hardcore faithful will always show up. Like that's why I'm always going to buy the next Nintendo system because I like those games. That's not going to make my sister buy it. That's not going to make my buddy, uh, my best friend Eric, who came with to play Breath of the Wild, he might buy the Wii U to play Breath of the Wild because it'll be cheaper, but that's not going to make him want to hop on the NX. Uh, you know, is it going to have that third-party support? Is it going to... Uh, the big thing it can it can do that, like, let's say Sony, Sony can't do very well right now, especially now that they discontinued the Vita, is be like, look, you could bring Madden, Call of Duty, all this stuff with you. I mean... You don't Sony need might to be making another Vita. Yeah, that's I, the problem. Sony might not be. Sony, <laughs> Sony said they well. might not even be making a PlayStation Five. So let's 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 honk the brakes before we. Well, decide the, the problem with the handheld being like a second screen for like gameplay, like TV gameplay, like a substitute, mm -hmm. was that you couldn't get the same experience. Like you couldn't get the high quality sure. console experience of, let's say, Uncharted, Uncharted Four I on a Vita. I think what Nintendo needs to do for the NX, and, and we're going to kind of move on from it at this point because we're, we're obviously over time for this segment, is I think the NX needs to, even if it is a device that hooks up to your TV and allows you to console game on your TV with it if you want, like the, the report says from Eurogamer, I think they need to just sell us on, this is a handheld. This is well, our next handheld. It, it does have the ability to do this stuff with your TV, that's fine, but we are... We've, we've been the number one handheld company in the world. 
for making handheld gaming for the last how many years. No one has ever been able to, to do it better than us, more popular than us. We have all those handheld franchises you want. We have that new Pokemon. We have you know a, a new Fire Emblem. We have these games that you want on this device. Uh, we also are going to be able to provide to you Breath of the Wild and the new Mario Galaxy 3. And these games that traditionally you would have to buy a separate device to play, you're also going to be able to play it on this device. And this is going to be our handheld mainstay device. And if you want, as a side note, you can plug it in at home and play it like you used to be able to do with, uh, you know, when, when you used to have like the, what was that, the, the, the Game, the Game Boy, Boy Advance player? Super Nintendo? Um, oh. Super Game Boy? Yeah, the Super Game Boy where you used to be able to do that. Well, instead, you have it all in your hand and you're able to plug it into your TV if you really want. Uh, but that's optional. That's a side thing. You don't ever have to do that. We're not going to throw that in the box because that's going to add additional cost. We're going to sell this thing to you for $200, but it's basically as good as a Wii U, 200 bucks for you to take on your go. I would I say think... it's as good as a Wii U. I'd try to distance Well, they won't say that. Wii U. They won't say yeah. Wii U. But, but they're they're, not but they'll say, say they'll say they'll say they're, they're not going to say anything about the Wii U. But they they're going to they're going to comp it to being able to play console games in some way. Yeah. Um, I, I just said Wii U because that was their console, but I you know, think they'll probably comp it like, oh, we have the latest Call of Duty game, so that's to give you an example. We've got of, Infinite Warfare. Yeah, well, that that's to give you an example MX. that we can run. Oh, we have the new Madden. Like that's an example that we can run these games that other consoles have. Um, the, the, I think. Hope the they don't issue... get into a spec war. I, 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 they usually <laughs> stay away from specs, but um, the only way I would I would come up with the specs is, for, is if they happen to be using te- like a Tegra X2 tech. And they're like, look, we know this thing's as good as a PS4. So let's not lie about it. Let's be like, look, this is the tech we're using, and we're comparable to what anything else on the market, but you can take it with you. And you can't take well, those devices with you. Have you guys, I don't know if you guys have, have talked about the, the Tegra chip before on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's actually seeming more and more likely that that is the situation because. Just uh, don't, tell su- don't tell Super Metal Dave that. Well, okay, <laughs> because shortly shortly after um, all those rumors about the NX using a Tegra chip came sure. out, people have noticed that NVIDIA kind of quietly stopped making the shield. Like, they just kind of stopped producing well, it and told the, no one. The shield wasn't that popular, though. Like, Yeah, but it's still, it's it's still a... At it's least e- the the one that plugs into your TV sold yeah. pretty well. It did okay. It did okay. And now we're getting confirmation, well, not confirmation, but at least a lot of rumors saying that um, NVIDIA was working on a successor that was going to use their X1 chip that uses some of their um, their Pascal technology. Yeah. And yep. that, that's been shelved because yeah. of probably the NX happening. Oh, so, yeah. And there's been reports that they supposedly signed a contract with the company for a large order of something. Um, and they have no idea what that is. That was also true. That, that kind of, same kind of report also existed for AMD. But now we know that there's the Xbox One S, there's the Xbox Scorpio, the PlayStation Neo. That could easily be the new orders for AMD chips. Um, they have nothing to do with... Like, we, we don't know. Obviously, Nintendo needs to come out here. It, we're getting impatient. It's August. There's well, less than four months left in the year. They promised they were going to unveil the NX this year. I mean, the 900p... Uh, uh, 60 fps rumors are now they they seem a lot more likely now that we know it's going to probably be using the tegra x x1 x1 at least yeah Um, yeah my my big thing that they need to do if they're going to talk specs is they need to talk about memory like on console memory 
because they can't do another like 32 gigabyte 64 the, the only thing game. i care about in all of this forget the hardware forget whatever crazy ideas they have with it because N- nintendo's gonna nintendo and they've always done it they've always done something crazy the d-pad back in the 80s it doesn't seem so crazy today but at the time that was nuts no one was doing that um so regardless of what they do i just want them to come out and confirm they created a universal account system and i could transfer my game saves between systems and use my account on multiple systems. If they do that. I don't care what else they announce. I'm happy. That's all I really want out of Nintendo that they do not have today. But that's what I'm talking about with memory, kind of though. Stuff. Because if you, even if you could transfer your games, you could only transfer like two of them. With what the well, current, it, like, it, they could support cloud saves now too. Yeah, I, I hope. But my my thing is they need. To I come actually out with a, didn't realize I was going to like that on Xbox One until I had to get a new Xbox One, and I was able. I didn't realize. Oh man, all my saves are also in the cloud. Well, sweet. So I got all my game data back. Like that was sweet. Well, they need to. What what I want them to do is come out with a, a good mem, like a large enough memory on the console, and then get rid of the blocks. Like, stop saying, "Oh, this is gonna take up three blocks of memory or 30 Yeah, you mean stop, stop, stop using a unique term. For I it. mean, to be fair though, if they if they do move to cartridges, as the rumors have been saying, or then... in the case of a handheld just stick with cartridges like they've always yeah. used. <laughs> yeah, then I guess that's, you know, I think that's fine. That memory won't be too big of an option. Yeah. Uh, and they, I mean, considering that the, the the new 3DS accepts micro SD cards up to, like, 200 gigabytes, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure the NX will probably yeah, I mean, do something along that line. I, I could see, you know, especially if they stick with the physical cards, uh, a smaller memory, uh, like a smaller hard drive is fine. Uh, it's not going to be fine for people who do like a lot of digital, digital yeah. but it's going to keep the price of the console down and they can always say, look, if you do use the docking station, hook it up to your TV, you you can hook up an external hard drive um, with, say, FireWire speeds or whatever and be able to not lose anything and still have all your digital there. And then if you want, like say you want to take that digital game on the go, you can kind of flip-flop it between your, your system and, and the hard drive and just take whatever game with <clears> you that you want. Um, especially with cloud saves, that's probably how it works with cloud saves. Is you're only going to be using cloud saves when you're connected to the internet. So if you're on the go, you probably don't have that internet connection, unless for some reason they team up with a phone company to do that. I don't see them doing that. No. Um, Sony tried that and it just failed bad. So I don't <laughs> see them them attempting that. But it could be where you could transfer your, all your saves at home on your docking station, and you just take with you whatever you want to take with you. Um, and you could take the whole docking station with you too, of course. But obviously, you're not going to play that on the go. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see what they do. Uh, we're gonna kind of move on. Obviously, I said we're way over time, so we're we're gonna just kind of push on through to our fan topics because we had some good ones this week. Uh, the first one comes from Colin Drum himself. Yeah, you could tell what he wanted to talk about. <laughs> um, he's he said, uh, "Why is the 3DS the best console of all time?" And you're just talking about the last six years. Yeah. Um, which. That, that technically means you're including the DS in there. Yeah. Um, which, that's that's a pretty in, bold thing in to bring terms in. Of, in terms <laughs> of new releases, sure, the, yeah. the 3DS uh, has, I think, been yet to be beat. Because um, it, it think, seems like we're getting a lot of really amazing titles for the thing. I, I think collectively over the last six years, you're probably right. Um, and I mean, as I as I've stated before on this podcast, I think this year is is definitely uh, yeah. I mean, if this is like truly the last year of the 3ds, which 
I'll be surprised with how strong the lineup for this year is. Uh, then they they ended on probably the best year a Nintendo console has ever ended on. Uh, I, I could probably agree. With, I'd have to go back and look, but I could probably agree with that. And they've got a lot I, of good because usually think... a lot of Nintendo consoles kind of whimper out before being replaced by the next well, big one. The DS didn't. The DS also had a Pokemon game after the 3DS came out. The DS yeah. was kind of it. It didn't really get phased. I would say it didn't get phased out, but like, it just kind of transitioned. Yeah, like it, it transitioned into the 3DS. It was like the well, natural because I mean by that point it was it was like super old. It was basically sure. like I think... getting eight years old at that point. And yeah. it's not just that the 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 3DS had 3D. It was also faster, more like better processing and it could play ds games yeah 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 it could do all that stuff and it it, it, you know it was it was just better all around i think uh i I can kind of agree with your your assessment it is weird because nintendo usually uh does what what's happening to the wii u kind of nothing until the next system comes out for what do you mean we're getting paper mario color splash yeah and we got mario and sonic at the olympic games it doesn't mean we also got (laughs) tokyo mirage sessions which is a really good game i can't believe how good that game came out holy crap yeah i thought that game was gonna suck and it wow i'm very absolutely astounding if you were excited by the concept of that crossover a long time ago and then stopped getting excited once we saw footage uh just give it a chance it's still not a good crossover but it's the best shin megami tensei sequel we've gotten in the last few years yeah it's more shin megami tensei than than fire alum for sure uh but to to kind of get to the point i i think um when i look at the 3ds lineup first off the 3ds is easier to make games for there's a lot more studios besides nintendo supporting it uh so it had a lot higher chance to have a strong library heading to the end but i think that the 3DS is kind of doing what the PlayStation 3 did back in 2012. Yeah. PlayStation 3 had a very strong lineup in 2012 heading up to the PlayStation 4 release. And it did not hurt PlayStation 4 sales at all. Um, in fact, some argue it kept the Sony fan base engaged with the Sony platform enough to pay attention to the P- PlayStation 4. Um, and make them realize, look at what they did for us for eight years. They ended on a really strong note. Why wouldn't we get into the PlayStation 4? Of course, little did they know, because it ended on that strong note, they were going to have to wait three years before they got into games. <laughs> um, which, that you know, you don't have to worry about that as much with the 3DS, per se, because a lot of the games coming out for it do not take that long to make. Um, so, you know, to, to get, like, the next Pokemon game, you literally could get that next year. Um, they have done a year-to-year release before a Pokemon, so... You don't have to wait as long, but it's still one of those... I think it's good. I think if the NX is a handheld device, I'm okay that the Wii U is fizzling out a little bit uh, because I understand that home console games do take a long time to make, and the Wii U kind of flopped. What's the point to keep pushing out into it? But the 3DS kind of flopped, but it didn't. It kind of recovered. Well, it started Uh, out bad. It's still the worst-selling handheld system they've ever released. But... The fact that 60 million units is still worst selling ever released just tells you how dominant they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not just that everyone's like, oh, compared to the DS era. I'm like, no, actually, that's the lowest compared to any handheld era. Uh, but that that doesn't matter. That, that, that's I don't know. I, I, I always felt like the uh, comparison to the, the, the DS was kind of unfair in terms of sales. Oh, it's always the DS, unfair. The DS is also, like, the highest selling console so, ever. So the PlayStation 3 At least failed. when it comes... Well, the yeah, exactly. By that the logic, PS2 sold 150. Like, it, yeah, that's by that not... logic, that would yeah, it doesn't work really. 
No, like th- there's always going to be those anomalies that that hit with people who aren't um, who aren't nor- your normal audience, and that's what the DS and Wii did. That's what the PlayStation Two did. Um, you know, and that's going to happen. Like I, I think the ceiling for handhelds, um, at least based on the history, going back and looking, you're probably looking around 80 million units at the high end uh, for your, like people who are actually interested in playing games on the go. That um, I don't want to say that don't want to play it on their phone. That might want to play it with a controller. Uh, in addition to having a phone, so we'll we'll see what happens with with all of that. I, I just the 3DS uh, is probably the best console uh, in the last six years in terms of content. Um, oh, it's got. I think so I many think there's been things. individual years. Like I think I think 2012 was such a strong year for PlayStation 3. Um, that might have been a better overall year than 3DS had in 2012. Oh, 2012 was really bad for the 3DS, the launch year. Um, yeah. yeah. Ocarina of Time 3D and Mario Kart Well, that was, 7. was 2011. Was, uh... Oh, yeah, 2011, yeah, yeah. And even and then, Mario Kart 7 came, like, a year later. Yeah, and it, it was 2013. I remember 2013 was a huge year for 3DS. They just kept having, like, every month it seemed like a big game was coming out. Yeah. Um, but I'd just like to remind everybody that Mega Man Legends 3 was supposed to come out for 3DS, but it was canceled. Thank <laughs> you, Capcom. It uh, so, probably wasn't going to be good anyway. But. Okay, so we'll, we'll move on to the next topic, because that wasn't... I mean, I want to say that was a fan topic, but technically... It was uh, a Colin topic. It was a Colin topic. Um, who, I, I, maybe he's a fan. We're, we're, getting, we're getting a new Ace Attorney, and we're getting a new Hotel Dusk, <laughs> and 999, and Puyo Puyo Chronicles is coming over, and a new River City, and a new and Sonic Boom Monster game. Hunter, and Sonic! Oh, and Rhythm Heaven! Hey, and X is getting a new Sonic game. Hey. Oh, yeah, True. We never talked about that because it's not Zelda, but NX is getting new Sonic it's games. Generations so. too, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> we'll see. The, the, okay, there's I'd be promise. Okay with that, though. There's Generations promise. was a good game. Um, so the next fan topic. Uh, this one's from Matt uh, Kakar. I think that's how you pronounce that. I uh, said, "What's the most important aspect of a Zelda game?" For me, it's a toss-up between exploration and dungeons. Alfred, why don't you go first with that? Most important aspect of a Zelda game. I feel like this kind of goes with what we talked about last it time. It does. With the it does. That's why um, this would be a pretty short one. Um, I I'd still say okay. Most important, it's different than favorite. My favorite's the music. Um, most <laughs> important, I'd say would have to be gameplay because not that the gameplay is always like revolutionary, but it has to be good enough to hold the game together because not all of them are reliant on story. Very sure. few of them are. So it's sure. not like the story is going to keep the game going. Like you, you did. People don't play Triforce Heroes because it has a compelling story. People play it because they like the gameplay and they like being able to play multiplayer and the different puzzles. Sure. And I think that's what really pushes a Zelda game is the gameplay and the replayability of that game. Colin, what's the most important aspect for you? I think mechanics. Okay. Because you really it it what it really comes down to is is. Usually every new Zelda game has a has a boatload of new kind of uh, goodies to play around with and uh, new graphics and new map design. But I think it, what it really comes down to is how those gimmicks and goodies tie into the overall gameplay experience as a whole. Because one of the biggest issues with, say, something like Skyward Sword is that Sure, you had all these really cool like flying mechanics and everything, but no. they didn't really do anything with them. They were just kind of <laughs> no. there. Yep. Uh, and I think that's really what makes or breaks a Zelda game is 
giving you stuff, but then you gotta do really cool stuff with those things. Sure. Uh, for me, this is a tough one, just because it kind of varies game to game. Um, I, 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 I kind of agree with Alfred overall, and even Colin a bit, that like mechanics and gameplay are kind of always king, and that's what makes a Zelda game be a Zelda. Uh, and we had that debate last week, I believe, about what makes a Zelda game good. Um, mm -hmm. And we kind of brought up the different aspects of Zelda. Uh, but personally, I kind of value story almost above everything else. Because if you tell me a great story, I will suffer through whatever bullcrap you throw my way just to see what happens next in the story. Well, yeah, I agree. But not all Zelda games have had I don't know if I agree with that. Well, yeah, it's, my... like, 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 it's weird because... Not all Zelda games are, have a strong story. I don't think that story is necessary to make like a great Zelda game. So uh, it might not be necessarily the most important aspect of a Zelda game, which is what the what the exact question is. But it's the most important aspect to me because if they deliver on just an epic story, as long as the game isn't completely broken, I'm probably going to enjoy it just because the story was good. I don't know about that because Twilight Princess has like is like one of my favorite games of the franchise. See, I like it Twilight also Princess. Has like, oh, but it also, <laughs> I do. I do also, not like the plot. It also has like one of the dumbest stories. In I hate Zelda the plot twist. I hate the plot twist. If you get rid of the plot twist, I like everything else about the story. I was I was playing through the remaster and I'm like, oh man, I love this game. And then it got to like Link and his animal friends, and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> it became a Disney film at some point. Yeah, well, it's the Link of the Animal Friends isn't really story related. So it, 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 it's, a, what, it's a theme that, that plays throughout a, it, most yeah, of it, it and it's, it's brought a, it, up a lot. Yeah, it's brought up a lot, but it's not really part of the story. It's really, it, it's almost like they had a bunch of ideas and they kind of forced them in there, and none of it really had anything to do with the actual story going on in the game. It's just, we want you to care about this because we're telling you to care about it. And we're well, the actual <laughs> story itself, it. well, the actual story itself, by your definition, was, was, was like, mostly kind of, like, typical adventure fare, like, not really anything crazy. Um, it was just kind of atypical stuff. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, the actual story to me in that game was, yeah, you know, Someone goes nuts, gets grabs power, takes control of a, a land, a realm. Yeah. Kicks the leader out, uh, puts a curse on the leader. Leader is stuck going to a different realm um, yep. to try to find help. And in that realm, that realm's being taken over by the new dark, the new bad guy. Like it is very classic fantasy. But see, I love that stuff. That's why I like Lord of the Rings. That's why I like, um, you know, any like the Aragon books. Like why I like these fantasy stories. It's not necessarily that they're doing a lot of unique things, although there's obviously well, it's it's things. not just that. It's that um, it's that Zelda. Well, Twilight Princess did all those things, but not that great. <laughs> Um, well, okay. That's just what I'm the, saying. Yeah, yeah. The argument for Zelda, and I'll say this on the whole, like, even though I like a lot of the stories in the game, um, Nintendo is not very good at telling stories. They've never been, like, oh my god, stories. <laughs> stories are amazing. Like, you're never going to think about Nintendo and be like, man, they tell the best stories. Like, that, that's it's one of the not... reasons why I, I can't really get through yeah. Super Mario Sunshine, because whenever sure. there's like a te there's a ten minute cutscene of like <laughs> Mario speaking full sentences, that's I'm like, a... why? <laughs> I'm okay with him speaking. I just, for... for no, what full sentences that... is very weird um, to hear Mario say. 
So I'm, I'm gonna have to answer my phone here in a second, but uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next topic. Uh, I get it. Like to me, I w- okay. Put it this way: I don't think story is the most important aspect of Zelda, but I would love it if it became the most important aspect. Yeah, of Zelda. no, I agree. Um, but if they could right learn now. how to how to not just tell like a good story, but tell a great story, um, that's that's what I want to happen. But which I, is funny because Breath of the Wild is supposed to be like. Like no super story. less heavy on yeah. story, and yet so far I'm the most excited about that story that I've yeah. ever met. It's really <laughs> yeah. weird. I'm hoping that less is more in that case. Like I'm hoping them not trying to be so complex with the story actually creates a better story. That's what I'm hoping happens. I, I think w- what's going to happen is there's going to be a more of a focus on lore. We're going to move on than... to to uh, the next topic quick. Okay. Um, just because I I have to go answer my phone here, um, <laughs> and then you guys should have something new to talk about. Uh, oh, okay. Let's let's talk about uh, we we did a little bit of this last week, but Colin wasn't here, and I know Colin's yeah. a very strong, opinionated person. Uh, mm-hmm. So Naman Callaway from our Facebook page uh, wants us to talk about why Nintendo hates fan projects. <laughs> oh, um, I'll let you two go at this. I, I had a big I had a big rant on this last week, so I'll let you two talk about this while I go answer my phone. The age old question of hey, why Colin, does do you Nintendo... think that they hate fan projects? Do I think that they hate fan projects? Yes. That is a very tough question. Um, do you think they think... take a sadistic joy in shutting them down? I don't think they do. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I don't... On one hand... Because I don't want to... Def- don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to defend Nintendo in any way, shape, or form. Because taking down the Metroid 2 remake was shitty. Taking down Pokemon Uranium... Oh, was also was... kind of shitty. Yeah. And uh, taking down the Nintendo Power Archives were especially shitty. Um, on one hand, uh, Nintendo does have brands they need to uphold. And it seems... And especially nowadays, Nintendo seems to want to focus more on the fact that they have all these brands and want to keep them sacred so they can, you know turn them into theme parks and mobile <laughs> apps. But, uh... Does Nintendo hate fan projects? I can't say that they do. I think they're just way too overprotective yeah. of their property. One because thing... because what's interesting is they, they will allow things like uh, AM2R to not exist. They'll allow things like Pokemon Uranium not to exist. But they'll allow... Mother 3 translations to exist. They'll allow uh, well, reproduction carts of the first Mother to exist. Um, well, I don't... Uh, okay. A, a little bit on that. First off, uh, Pokemon Uranium has actually not been shut down by Nintendo. That was a preemptive move by the creators. They, they did Nintendo. get a notice, though. They did get a notice. They, they, they finally got a notice, because yeah. yeah, when, when I emailed them, uh, they just said that Nintendo never told them to take down the download links. They did it Ninten- before. It wasn't Nintendo directly. They said that they got like a warning from a lawyer, and oh yeah. So they were like, "Well, well, we're... we'll just do it before it becomes a yeah." Problem. They like um, one point five million, but they're, but they're still it. supporting it. They plan to still release patches for it. They just aren't going to put the download link for the actual game up anymore. Um, which is fine. It's not that hard to find Pokemon Uranium. It had over one point five million downloads. There's yeah. a ton of people that have it. It's really, if you just go to the Pokemon Uranium site, you know, someone will, you know, sign up for the forum, someone will easily private message you a link to go get it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, still, it. it's still, it's not that hard to get a hold of. Um, it's not even that hard to get, find the, the, the Metroid, you know, 2 remake. It's not that hard. But, uh, 
you know, there, there's some differences, I think, in, like, the Pokemon Uranium and uh, Metroid 2 are, like, really extreme examples of uh, fan projects and, um, I guess, copyright infringement, as it were, because people are basically creating something new around your IP. Metroid 2 is a little different because that is, like, a remake of an actual Metroid game. Yeah. Pokemon Uranium is obviously a unique uh, game, but it does use the Pokemon name. It actually has some of the official Pokemon in it. It's not just, you know. Does it? I didn't think it Yes, did. it does. Yeah, it does. Okay. Um, I don't I, I don't know if it goes beyond the original 150, but it, it does have some of the original. Because I remember seeing uh, Slowpoke in it um, and a couple other. I don't know how many of there, there actually is in it. Um, I know it's got like 150 plus original Pokemon. Uh, but obviously, it's using the Pokemon name. That's all, that's going to be a red, big red flag. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think if they eliminate the Pokemon name in any of the actual, you know, like Pokemon from the series, they might be able to get away with it being just a ripoff. Um, kind of like Oceanhorn. Hey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I think a lot of it has to just do, as I said before. I think the reason well, why it seems so prominent now is because of Nintendo's kind well, of shift. Well, take to... the translations. You mentioned the Mother Three translations. What's yeah. the, what is Nintendo going to do to shut that down? It, it's it, it, it's something that applies to ROMs, and they they can't stop ROMs from existing. Uh, they could just stop you or try to stop you from using ROMs on their devices, um, which is what they you know what, why they tried banning the flashcards and all that stuff with the DS. Yeah. Um, and I understand that like you know Nintendo doesn't doesn't want people playing their games illegally and not buying them. I that that makes total sense to me. But I don't think they're going to ever shut down, like, a fan translation because why? Like, look at Hyrule Historia. That was being translated by uh, Glitterberry. And instead of getting mad at Glitterberry for scanning it in and doing her own translations and editing the text to be English, they hired her to do the official translation. Which is well, another I think with things rare like, extreme case. With Mother Nintendo 3, it was like being that. done at the time that the GBA was still a thing. And yeah, so yeah. If, if Nintendo actually ever bothered to do a translation of Mother 3, they sure. would actually have a case. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, good luck. But you've also, seen, you've also seen a ton of um, fan projects done over the ages. Not touched. Like, yeah. Like, uh, one, I was just, one I was Super just rewatching the other day is uh, There Will Be Brawl. Which sure. was a really fun series on YouTube. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I I think I think what it comes down to is but as of recent, Nintendo is just trying to push this. Wasn't uh, there will be brawl? Wasn't that a parody? So like parody is actually protected under law. Yeah, I guess. So. Just well, like Legend of Neil was allowed to exist on Comedy Central, but like that's totally Zelda, but it's a parody, so it can legally exist. And well, they, they have. Money on it. They still have like games like you guys remember Super Smash Flash? Do you ever play that? Oh, yep, yep. It I've was like a that. 2D full yeah, Smash Bros. Yeah, f- Flash version of Smash Bros. Yeah, and yeah. that was never... I don't think that was ever taken down. I think you can still find that somewhere. Um, well, you can still find... I mean, <laughs> what, like, what are no, we defining takedowns as? Like, like, Nintendo still, can like make the official site and not have the link anymore, but you can still find it. You can still find it, but I mean, like, I think that's still up. I don't think Nintendo ever touched it. Ever did anything, yeah. Well, and I'm surprised they've never did anything about Zelda Classic. It was literally a PC port of Zelda 1. That they turned into like a Zelda maker, yeah. Um, but like it's still originally. I think I mentioned that once actually. Yeah, like on it's still originally like a Zelda. It's it's originally porting Zelda one to PC, for free. And yeah, it, you, like if you download it, that's the original. That's the very first thing you can play in. It is a full full game of Zelda one. They would never shut that down. They know about it. I know they know about it. I've talked to them about it, and all they ever say is, "Yeah, well, we don't care." Oh, then why do you care about all this other stuff? 
I, I understand the Metroid 2 remake in a sense because it's not like it didn't do more with it. Like Zelda Classic, you know, the excuses. Yeah, they, they copied Zelda 1, but then they did more that created original assets um, and allowed people to make their own levels. So it's, it's more than just a remake. Uh, AM2R is, despite bringing in Zero Mission and all the stuff and altering the maps a little, it's still primarily a Metroid 2 remake. There isn't really more you do with it besides replay Metroid 2. Um, so I understand that getting shut down. Pokemon Uranium is a tough one because uh, it wasn't for profit. Like That's the big thing I have with that one. That one was not out to make money. And there's tons of already like, made, um, there's, like there's lots of Pokemon, fan-made Pokemon oh, yeah. games. Yeah, Pokemon ripoffs. They exist out there, but Nintendo can't touch them unless they use Pokemon copyright. And that's for Pokemon Uranium. Like I said, I think if they eliminated Pokemon from the name and all mentions of it in the game and got rid of any of the Pokemon that are from the actual game series, um, they would be fine. They would just be labeled a ripoff, and Nintendo can't do anything about that because they don't have copyrights on the mechanics in Pokemon. I just think it's weird how inconsistent Nintendo is with the MCA takedown. Yeah, yeah. Well, and a lot of it has to do with the legal department. Um, the legal department is the one that issues all the DMC takedowns. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. does Nintendo be like cracked with, hey, you got to go take this down? Like, their legal department just does it on their own uh, part, as part of their copyright you know, IP protection that they have to make an effort to protect their IP. I just think it's weird uh, that like it's inconsistent. It's not like very oh, well, every, every instance of somebody using any part of the Nintendo IP gets taken down. It's like, it seems to be like, I, I want to say that it's like every time they're making a game with that <laughs> sure. IP and somebody releases a fan game like AMR2, uh, okay, well, but we've got Metroid Prime Federation Fighter Force coming out and we don't want them to circle the name of Metroid when we have this perfectly good non-Metroid Metroid game coming out. And then... Oh, uh, I was going to look up something. I can keep talking. And then they have Pokemon Sun and Moon coming out. And so they don't want Pokemon Uranium out there as not necessarily a viable replacement, but as another game to have out. And so that's what I could think of. But again, that's not always consistent. And I'm always, uh, I, I never, you can never really tell what their legal department's going to take down, what's going to keep up. You can never be like, oh, well, definitely, they're definitely going to take down this uh, new Super Mario Bros. 5 game that we made. Or what have you it's just like okay well sometimes we'll touch the copyright infringement sometimes we won't sure so so it's hard to decide and that's that's one of the other things too is you know you have to give it to these guys for being into these fan projects like committing like nine years to pokemon uranium especially when they know that there's a high chance it's probably gonna get shut down like they know that they're probably not gonna stay up for that long but they're still like you know what we're gonna keep going through this we're gonna as I said, it could also have to do with the, the internet mentality where you keep it low-key enough where yeah. it's not popular enough for Nintendo to do anything about it while you're making it. And then mm. when you release it, you know it's going to get shut down, but you also know that this is the internet. Once it's out there to download, it's always out there to download somewhere. Um, and that that seemed to be a lot of the reaction from the like the, po- the Pokemon devs, uh, the Pokemon Uranium devs, when they're like, look, we don't really care that it's shut down. Uh, we have 1.5 million plus downloads on it. Uh, people are still exchanging it behind back doors. Nothing we can do about that. And we're still going to support it and update it. And they're not making this take down the website. Uh, so, yeah, we're the game's out there. It's going to remain out there. We're happy. Like, who cares mm-hmm. if they shut it down? Like, it's not really shut down. Like people, A lot of people think, oh, they, they, they just made you remove the download links. That doesn't make the games not exist anymore. 
Uh, if Nintendo wanted to make the games not exist anymore, <laughs> they could definitely go a lot more hardcore with it. Um, you know, they could shut down the whole sites for them and stuff, but they're not doing that. They are perfectly fine with this stuff existing. I think, and I mean, we had a debate about this before, about uh, how much does Nintendo have to legally do and how much are they just doing because they feel like it. Because they're, you know, I read somewhere about a legal precedent about if they don't protect their IP, there's a chance they could lose the rights to their IP and then it becomes public domain. Um, so some of this might just be, Nintendo probably doesn't care that Pokemon Uranium's out there. Do they really think it's going to hurt Pokemon Sun and Moon sales? There's not a chance it's going to have any negative impact on that. So it, it's, well, especially since all Pokemon games sell well. So I, I, The only reason I, that I'd say that is because I think that they don't want, A, people to be confused. Or, sure. or be there, there, there is a whole uh, brand representation. Actual, yeah, um, they don't want people thinking that this is a Nintendo game. Obviously, yeah. yeah. And Pokemon Uranium, from what I played, is fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, great. Like I could see how people that don't know any better might think, "Oh man, Nintendo released a PC Pokemon game. This is sweet." Because <laughs> um, it actually is like it is one of the first fan games. Uh, that, that's what's weird about the last two fan games that have been shut down, as it were. Um, they are both so high quality, you can believe Nintendo made it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that upsets Nintendo, <laughs> that someone's now able to Nintendo as well as Nintendo can. Or they're uh, doing it better. Or doing it better in some cases. Although, <laughs> I don't know what they would do with the Metroid 2 remake, so I can't really say that that's better, but it doesn't exist. So, yeah. Nintendo. Like, I made the suggestion um, on my site, Nintendo Prime, like, maybe they should just contact these people and be like, look... Wait, we, we're going to shut this down. You're allowed to leave up like a demo of it. Uh, and we're going to grab your stuff and be like, look, why don't we make this official? We will pay you some fees for doing the dev work on it. Um, allow it to be completely officially licensed. And we'll just get it all ported over to our NX system and release it on there. And then say we'll give you a 2% of every sale or something for, for your efforts. Um I think that's a lot better way to approach it. And I understand that obviously, you know, developing for PC, making making all of uh, AM2R uh, in uh, Game Maker obviously isn't going to translate as well to NX, and there's going to have to be a lot of work done to port it over. But uh, reality is that clearly demand for these two things exists. Um, obviously, demand for Pokemon games always exists. Demand for Metroid exists, even the though demand, they're not Demand for Metroid exists. Way. How popular that demand is, I don't know. But it, it's there. I won't deny it. I'm not going to call Metroid fans babies. I'm I'm lucky I'm a Zelda fan, and <laughs> Zelda is popular enough that, just like Mario, it's always going to get something new, at least until people stop buying the games. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Nintendo, just hire these people on, pay them a little bit of fees for their, their efforts, get the games on your system. And look, for you, it's a win-win, because then you get fans basically making you games for nothing. Peanuts compared to you doing it. <laughs> Uh, in the two, case of Sega, they they hire them. Yeah, like two, you, you get to desperate. get these games that fans clearly want, and they have them on your platform, and then people will buy them on your platform if they're there. And that is the other interesting thing about them taking these um, these projects down and not actually supporting them is because so far Nintendo's biggest success of the year, Pokemon Go, is <laughs> technically more of a fan project than an actual officially like sanctioned thing. Uh, it's not a fan project. Well, it's not a fan you project, could, but it's not made by Nintendo. It's not know, made. It's Poke, not part. Poke, Pokemon games aren't made by Nintendo either. Fun fact. Well, well, it's still not. A I game know that, game. but I'm just saying, like, it's it's still as far removed from the usual Nintendo and Pokemon 
development cycle sure. at, well, than, than ever. It's, it's made by a small company who was just like, hey, we have this really neat idea. And Nintendo's like, all right, go for it. Well, it was more... Yeah, it, it was something like... Um, oddly enough, I found this out from Michael Pactor, who I know a lot of people don't like, but he actually has this kind of inside knowledge because that's what he deals with stock markets and um, he explained how the stock actually works for Nintendo with Pokemon Go and how much money they actually make off Pokemon Go compared to what people thought they made when their stock exploded. Yeah. Um, and it's basically that we, we know now that Satoru Iwata was directly involved with uh, with Pokemon Go. He There's now like been confirmed that he was working on it essentially on his deathbed. Uh, talking back and forth with the devs at Niantic about coming up with ideas for how to implement Pokemon Go. Uh, so we know that Iwata was directly involved in that. We know that Nintendo invested money into Niantic uh, to make this game. So Nintendo does actually own a percentage of Pokemon Go. How much that percentage is officially will never be known publicly. We'll never know if they own 10%, 50%, 15%, 1%. We have no idea. Because Google also owns part of it. Pokemon Company also owns part of it. And obviously Game Niantic freak. has their own you know, massive share of it where that they just put their own money in. Uh, so uh, we, we have no idea, but Nintendo does get a cut of that. And I, I think the decision for this game kind of came down to, from what I've heard, is that the Pokemon Company and Niantic, uh, someone from Niantic knew someone from the Pokemon Company, and they started talking, uh, and Iwata kind of got involved because Iwata has a history with the Pokemon Company, and he's like, yeah, I've played your Ingress game. Um, and then they just the, kind of like those three people kind of got together and essentially said, hey, this would actually work really well as a Pokemon game. Uh, let's make it happen. And that's when Niantic you know, probably said, oh, well, we need additional funding. Um, and that's where Nintendo and the Pokemon company kind of stepped up and got all the licensing sorted out. Um, and whatever cut you know, everyone gets, everyone's making money off that game. So it's a win-win <laughs> for everyone. Uh, but I, I still view it as like a third party, or like not even a third party, but like a, like a fan game. Because like to me, a fan game is something a fan does completely independent on their own without any support from anyone. And this had direct support from Iwata coming up with ideas. It had direct support from the Pokemon Company uh, financially as well. Uh, and on top of that, you know, when you look out there, like the Minish Cap wasn't made by Nintendo either. Hyrule Warriors wasn't made by Nintendo. Uh, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons was not made by Nintendo. They were all just licensed out to a different company. And granted, Capcom is a lot bigger company. Uh, Koei Tecmo is obviously a lot bigger company than Niantic. But Niantic was a developer with a track history. They created, they had a, a partnership down with Google to use all the Google Maps. Like they spun off from Google. And Google is a huge company. Um, and they already created a game in Ingress. So this wasn't like some people they picked up off the street. To be well, like, yeah, hey, I'm not make a new game. That. And, like, that's what fan games often are. Fan games are nobodies. There's no history with these people. They're, like me, I'm 14. I see, I really want to make a game. I download Game Maker, and then for the next 10 years, I try to make a game on it. I think what you're taking, uh, what I'm saying, like, a little too literally. Because, I'm not. It's like, hard for it's hard for me to be like Pokemon Go is a fan game. Like, it just. It's I'm not, not saying it's a fan game because that's not what it is. But what I am saying is that it's still something completely out of the usual. Like Nintendo has always been like, oh yeah, we're not going to do smartphone games, and then they go, okay, we're going to do smartphone games, and here are the ones we're going to do with Dina. But here's also this other thing that we licensed another company to do because whatever, well, sure. and that ends up being their biggest success of the year and it was basically something that was more or less a gamble um, because they had no they had almost no faith it just kind of released too like they didn't really go into detail about it they had maybe one commercial 
for like a like like half a year one small beta testing period and even when the game was released it was still technically in beta <laughs> um they also had it at e3 and they featured it heavily during their e3 streams okay, so like no. the, the nintendo faithful that actually cares about nintendo at e3 knew about the game like they it was showed impossible Pokemon not go to go at e3 well they, they didn't show it a lot at e3 they, yeah. There was a. They were, they were I, I rewatched the whole stream. They, they had over an hour and a half worth of footage from Pokemon Go during their entirety of their E3 streams. Which, granted, compared to Zelda, was obviously nothing. Yeah. Um, but it was still a significant enough chunk where they were just making people aware this is coming out, like, soon. Um, well, because so, by that point, people were interested in it. Yeah, and at, and at that point. Well, yeah, but how did they get interested in it if they didn't advertise it? Because they showed off, like, one teaser trailer half a year ago. And that, they also had the Super Bowl commercial. Forget sure. about that. Pokemon Go was mentioned in the Super Bowl commercial. So yeah, like, I'm sure. like they didn't do like a lot of consistent marketing for it, but they marketed it at the right times to get people to know about it. Um, and mobile games themselves don't need a ton of marketing. You don't like, yeah, you see Clash of Clans commercials all the time now. You didn't see those when Clash of Clans came out. It got popular on its own kind of thing. Like it does, These mobile games don't need tons of marketing. The marketing for them is just being on first page of the App Store. And then for Nintendo, in Nintendo's case, like Pokemon was going to blow up. Um, Pokemon Go was going to blow up as long as it functioned, which it arguably still doesn't function, but eh, it yeah. functioned enough for people to care. Um, it was just the whole idea of catching Pokemon out in the real world. I, I obviously, I don't think anyone predicted it was going to be as popular as it is now, but I was pretty sure Nintendo thought it was going to be pretty popular. Because Pokemon Shuffle also was on is on phones, and that got pretty popular. As basically a ripoff of several other puzzle games. Um, so I, I do think that they thought this game was going to be a success. I don't think they thought it was going to be a worldwide phenomenon. Um, no. You know, they thought maybe Ingress levels of success, maybe... Maybe Pokemon Shuffle levels of success. I don't think they thought, yeah, it's going to be used more often than Facebook is. Um, which is crazy. But yeah, sorry. I know that I took like your comments a little too literally, but um, I almost felt like that kind of comment was almost an insult to the people who worked on it. Because they... I, I, don't, obviously I don't know anything about Niantic at all outside of how they came to be. Um, and the fact that they're... Um, I actually like their... If you go and play Ingress... Uh, First off, it's been out longer, so it's a lot more polished. But it's actually really good. It is. That's no, pretty good. It's a little. It, it's really good. It makes it like in terms of the functionality, it makes Pokemon Go still look like a demo. Um, but that's because Ingress that has also been out a long time. That was their first game. They're still updating it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I think that's gonna do it for this week's podcast. What a way, what a way to end it, Colin and Nate, buttonheads. Uh, <laughs> Colin's like, ah. Oh. I'm so mad. <laughs> uh, I could have ranted for another 20 minutes about how Nate's an idiot. Um, <laughs> thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast this week. Uh, you could follow all of us on social media or wherever you like. Colin, where would you like people to check you out at? Uh, my YouTube, my Twitch, my Twitter. Which are? It's, it's my username. Which is? You're going to be... <laughs> <laughs> Kowloon Drain. Uh... Kowloon. Kowloon Drain. As I was on uh, Austin Eruption stream lately, and I was on a Super Bunny Hop video sure. recently. So there you go. Sure. Check uh, those out as well. Yeah, and if you don't understand his social media stuff because you only listen to our audio version, well, I'm sorry about that. 
Um, <laughs> go go check out our video. His Twitter handle will be down in the in yeah. the, name, the name here. But like I said, if you listen to our audio version, then I guess he doesn't Sorry, want to. You're, you're, you're just gonna have to look at the title <laughs> of the of the audio file. Oh, your name won't be in the title, so. Oh, then it's oh. it's K A W L U N D R A M. There you go. There uh, you that, go. That's what I was, I was like. This isn't the Adam podcast. Um, <laughs> we like when we had HMK on like last oh, two weeks ago. I like his name wasn't in the title at all. He's just part of the podcast. Um, let me think. Uh, oh yeah, Alfred, you got yeah, some. Yeah, I, some... I exist. Yeah, I'm right? on the podcast. Um, yeah, follow me at. Full Metal Alfie on Twitter, and there feel free to friend me on Steam and Battle.net because I need more friends on those. It's just Sir Analog, and for Battle.net, it's n- number sign eighteen fifty three after Sir. Analog. Nice. And uh, let me see. You can obviously follow me at Nate Chance on Twitter. Um, I have some other places you can follow me at, but it's just follow me there. You'll get all the important stuff. Uh, you could also follow, obviously follow Zelda Informer at Zelda Informer. Uh, on literally every social media out there, just type in Zelda Informer somewhere, you'll find us. And uh, I am happy to announce that sometime, hopefully before the end of August, uh, we are going to launch a public Discord chat that's going to be for you guys, for our fans, uh, to bring you together, fans of our podcast, fans of our editorials. It's going to be mostly aimed at people who follow our original content, but if you do follow our news, you're obviously going to be welcome to come in. Uh, but it'll be first advertised here on the podcast as an announcement, you know, probably at the end, very end of the month. Uh, still working out some details with that, but yeah, we want to bring our fans together to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, some of our staff may or may not be in there to talk to you guys. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to do, so I can't promise we'll always be talking, but we'll be in there. We'll have some mod bots and making sure people aren't going too crazy. <laughs> unless it's unless it's Kowloon here. I can't, yeah. can't control him. Kowloon. Just, just <laughs> I'll, I'll play all of no man's sky and i'll scream while doing so yeah sounds good (laughs) all right well that's gonna do it for this week's podcast thanks for joining us as always we'll catch you on the flip side doodles goodbye